This is the MS Show, the podcast for people with multiple sclerosis and their families who want information and inspiration. I'm Bron Webster. I've been living with MS for over 20 years. I'll be sharing with you tips, stories and ways to keep going with MS. Hi, welcome to this episode. Today, I'm really, really pleased to be talking with Martin Baum. Martin is a writer, a brilliant writer, and he's got blogs on practically every charity's platform in relation to MS. So you might well have come across something that he's written. Hi, Martin. It's great to have you join me today. Oh, after a build-up like that, I'm delighted. <laughs> so I'm just really pleased that we're actually talking, and um, <laughs> we've had yeah. a couple of attempts to do a podcast before, and then various things, technical problems at my end. So here we are again. We're trying, and we are determined today to get a podcast <laughs> recorded. So. Um, I know you've got, you do an awful lot of writing of blogs um, and just because of where we're at, I think with lockdown at the minute, a quote that I've picked out is one of your latest blogs, coronavirus has levelled the playing field between MSs and non-MSs and I think that's in relation to lockdown and um Let's take that as a starting point. What drove you to use those words, Martin, and talk about lockdown in that way? It, it, something just occurred to me as my wife and I would go out for walks as and when they're not long, but they are nice for, I don't know, just appreciating what we've got out there. It's very good mindfulness exercise inadvertently. But one thing that came to mind was regarding the level playing field, is that because of lockdown, it's done exactly that. Because like us MSs, who can't do what we used to do, everyone caught by lockdown can't do what they used to do. They can't go to the shops. They can't spend money. They can't do what they've been used to doing. Overnight, they've been stopped doing it like we, we MSs. And that's where it all becomes quite level because like MS, lockdown has provided an invisible illness. You're all mm. limited. Illness is the wrong word, but we're all limited by what we can't do where, where it's accessible and not accessible, but we're, in, we're not in control of our own lives. And in one respect, that's helping me because we're all there together. We really are in it together. We are, aren't we? Yeah, and I think it's something that I know when we first started lockdown, that is, that's exactly what I thought as well. So when I came across the blog, I thought, yeah, we're thinking along the same lines here. I just think we've had a lot longer to get used to the concept of having things stripped away in terms of what we can and can't do. Yeah, so but how long? Yeah, how long have you have you had MS, Martin? I reckon I've had about forty years. I was diagnosed in eighty four, but I, I I know leading up to eighty four for a few years that there were issues. Um, I wasn't diagnosed straight away. I lost my sight, um, which was scary, and mm. um, there were other issues with bladder. Um, too many 
marathons, nighttime marathons to the loo. And um, I had a lumbar puncture, which was fun. A needle probably the size of anyone who's going through an amniocentesis. So that we don't get to see the needle going in your back, in the back. Mm. Um, <laughs> you know, unless some sadist is putting a mirror up where you can see what's going on. Um, and then I, I had an MRI. And then finally I was diagnosed. And I thought, oh, great. You know, well, my mum, dad, they were really relieved. Um, but the way it's delivered was, I can't remember the word for word, but it's like, Oh, well, you've got MS. Off your trot, on your way. And um, then it was all uphill or downhill after that. Yeah. Yeah, I and mean, there was limited support, I think, when I was diagnosed in 96. So in 84, there wouldn't have been any kind of support network. There was no internet or anything like that, was there? The times have definitely changed. Well, it's, times have changed for absolutely everything. Um but the end. But then I didn't realise, and it, you had counselling, but the counsellor counselling was not much bloody good. It mm. really wasn't because mm. at the end of the day, if you're not prepared to accept what's going on around you, you're not going to listen to a complete stranger. You're not going to make that connection. I remember I went to Arms. I don't think they're still around. Action Research into Multiple Sclerosis. Have you heard of them? No, I haven't. And I handled it badly because I would go and we would sit. Mm -hmm. So she was on one side and say nothing. And I would sit on the other side because I didn't realise at the time it's not the job of a counsellor to speak first. You have to speak first. I didn't. I was that child. You're not going to break me down, (laughs) mum. So out of this hour session saying might have been half an hour but for a large large chunk she was waiting for me to say something so then she could analyze it and break it down but I was a stubborn old so and so and I was willing to take on anybody (laughs) hey I won but what exactly did I win Mm. which I think for anybody not handling MS and not and not breaking down, allowing anybody to get inside you, then none of us win. I can't imagine I was the only one who was an awkward so-and-so. Well, I've only just taken control of it really over the last couple of years, ever since I started meditating. And the whole sequence of events was from meditating, I started writing. I, I was a writer for a big chunk of my life and then MS saw thought I'd do something different like not right and lost the ability of putting one word in front of the other I mean I was the cognitive functioning was, was affected just, then I used to write an awful lot of satirical stuff parody songs um I wrote a best-selling book about Shakespeare um and I was writing a stage show about Shakespeare based on the book got a nice commission from a um, a Hollywood producer, and uh, he was what Great Balls of Fire. Did Jolson? He was BAFTA nominated for Othello, so that was a pretty big deal. Mm. And um, so all that went down the toilet. And um, from doing the meditation, I started writing again, and the blogs were the way back, and it's grown from that. But what I did by doing the blogs, and I never intended this. I was putting myself in this, into a, into a counsellor's chair. 
Mm. My wife used to say, you're being too honest about what you're writing, about what you're saying about yourself. You've got a real down on yourself. And I'm saying, no, the only way I was figuring it out at this stage, you've got to be honest about absolutely everything about it. Maybe it's like the alcoholics, alcohol, um, the, uh, the the 12 steps, is it 10 steps, 12 steps? I've never been in that, in that direction before. But you've hurt, I hurt an awful lot of people because they didn't understand. Mm. They asked me the wrong question and so on and so forth. So I was I was owning up to that and I was learning so much about my stinky attitude that allowed me to start correcting myself. And from there, um, I've gone back to my stage play, which hopefully once lockdown is over, that that will start, that will get uh, going into production. Brilliant. All the sequence of getting control of 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 MS. For your life. Well, you have to because nobody else will. If 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 somebody asks you how you are, they don't actually mean it. They're being polite. Mm. And then you say, if you're having a bad day, it's like, yeah, okay, how are you? And you start having a different conversation. You know, I love chatting to you. We've chatted a lot because of the malfunctions doing this, uh, the, the podcast. And... It's, I don't get that from you. We're not in competition with our symptoms. It's like getting on with life, which is nice. And chatting to somebody who understands. Well, yeah, it's, it's just chatting about MS. We chat about other things. And that's what life used to be like before our lives got dominated by MS. And I'm not a counsellor. Everything mm. I say, everything I write about is my opinion. Mm. I wouldn't talk about the nuts and bolts about cerebral spinal fluid and so on, blah, yada, yada, yada. That's down to medical people who've been through the system to learn to be doctors and nurses. They know what they're doing. But this is my own take on, on life. Yeah, this so, is your experience. It's not feeling, having feelings of being obsolete. It's still mm. 61 now. And my wife was keen to kick me out and do something. And she read about these courses. The University of the Open Mind. And yeah. They run courses. And we found one, or she found one about meditation. And I said, okay, okay. Because she, she was anxious, keen just to get me out talking to anybody. So we turn up. And it's, it's not fair to these people who are terrific. But there's a lot of people with grey hair. And they'll first glance all Victor Meldrews, Mrs. Mm. Oh my God. No. And she said, You stay. I mean, she's a firm woman. (laughs) She was taking charge and making sure that you were going to do this course. Well, yes, yes. And it turned out I am one of those people, minus the grey hair, I'm very proud to say. (laughs) But I am one of these people. And it was nice. You know, this was up in, that was in Dorset when we moved, subsequently have moved since. But I miss those crazy guys because they're really nice people and they're all, we're all in the same boat. But it was that moment that I moved on. And I'm very grateful to Liz. I'm very grateful to everyone in that room, the lady taking taking the course and um, moved on from there. So you still practice meditation? Meditation, which has led to mindfulness and not understanding mindfulness to begin with. 
But mindfulness for me is just every so often I just think, thank you. I don't know who I'm saying that to specifically, but where I where I was before meditation, and that's when I thought I'm going to be obsolete. I was. That was it. I wasn't yet sixty. I'm thundering. I was maybe eighteen months shy of being sixty, and I thought, well, is it all over? And from there, I had to rebuild my life, and I did it by accepting responsibility, not blaming anybody else for MS. It happened. And I have a bad day. I have a bad day. Everybody has a bad day. And significantly now, because of COVID, there are people out there with real problems. There are people who will not wake up tomorrow necessarily and complain about how life is. Mm. They, they are having a bad time of it. It's just great to be alive, especially in these, these uncertain times. No, you're so right. I found that. And we've got we've got to find the things that we can control. We've got to change our mindset, and it's something that I really do talk about quite a lot on the podcast yeah. episodes. Um, yeah, the difference to people who actually it's like seeing the light at the end of the tunnel and really and really grabbing that opportunity. I've got the answer for me. Mm. Why should I be the only one? Why should you be the only one? I'm so impressed the way that you grab life by the what's it's and you more than just come through you're, you're doing something inspirational because I'm trying you to come on your, your show I listen to your podcasts and I think wow and uh, there's not a job up for offer but I'd love to do a show with you because then you and I we can lift I think we so need somebody and I think, what a powerful an image. And I think, well, and that's why I'm on the show anyway, not to get a job. But <laughs> it, it's something like to be aware of. Yeah, for sure. So what sort of things? So you talked about the mindfulness and um, the meditation that you do. What sort of other things are really helping you in your life? So I think, you know, you were telling me about a particular medication. Yeah, that you found that really benefits you. Well, I this there's one particular part of the condition that, that was a bane of my life for years, um, where I'm forever fidgeting, where it's like I've got Parkinson's as well as MS, which you can't have, but it was like that, mm. um, almost like epilepsy. It was very severe, and I was given gabapentin, and in the, that particular medication does not. Not everybody thrives with it. And the maximum is 3,600 milligrams. That's it, maximum. That's a pretty heavy dosage, maximum. I'm currently on 3,400. So near, near the top of the allowable dose. Oh, well, my wife won't let me go up to the maximum because she says, where do you go to after that? And, and yeah. she's right. So it works up to a point. But at least I can I can sit and I can... I can have a normal life and I can sleep without thrashing around the bed. <laughs> None of action goes on in my side of the bed. But it <laughs> it is a heavy dosage. And there are certain things that are great and not great. But isn't that, isn't that what goes on in life anyway? Mm. You know, it's, it's, um, 
it's like I used to complain that I used to be a long distance runner. I used to do as a, a trained jeweler. I used to do engraving. Uh, I used, and when my wife and I got together and I showed her my engravings that I did, and I said to her, sad face, well, I can't do that anymore. I, I can't do it. MS. Always blame MS. Mm. And she said, how old are you? But the point was, I can't do now what I could do then because the body's older. The eyesight is not as sharp as it used to be. So instead of complaining about, I used to be a runner, well, you know, I'm 20 years older. <laughs> so he's not, I can't be that guy again. Everybody has to adapt in life. And that's what I've done. Yeah. And having a very strict wife, I'll tell you that for nothing. But she's also my carer. Now, yeah. she, 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 she's writing stuff on a project through the eyes of a carer. Because however bad my life was, I was really quite bad to her. Mm. It took me years to realise that. I take my hat off to anybody that's in the caring, if if they've just got that kind of mindset, because I quite clearly haven't. You know, I am not a caring person. So I admire your wife. Well, it's not always... Being easy because it's that transference from wife to carer. Mm. I'll give you an example. I don't drive anymore. And the hard, I, I used to, you know, I'd go wherever for writing assignments. And I, 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 what I missed is putting on the music that I want to put on, mm. playing it loudly. Just having that cabin space to myself. But she doesn't like the music that I like. Not at that stage. And mm. I had to put up with her driving habits instead of her putting up with my driving habits. And that kind of thing. And that represented a terrible loss of independence. And that took ages to get over. And it's that total creeping takeover of my life. Mm. Now, I've still got freedom. I still walk with a stick. I'm not, I'm not in a, um, a scooter or anything like that. But I can't go now. I can't go anywhere without her. She's there. She has to hold on to me. Because the way that my brain is, I will suddenly be pulled in a different direction. And she has to try and keep hold of me. Mm. You know, do, you mean, do you mean physically or mentally? It's like... It's like Ghost, where the the guy at the end is being dragged. Being you get these these black images being appearing from nowhere, and they're being dragged off to hell mm. with force. And that's me. It's 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 still frightening because I I I, I have so much strength. That one stage I was in a meeting. It was. To proudly say this, I was at House of Commons. I was a mm -hmm. writer for something by OMS, and it was a um, it was a thing for they were doing a, um, a a new video launch. And then suddenly, I'm talking to whoever it was. I can't remember, but suddenly the place is full of lords and ladies and people with their mess. I mean, it was a pretty big deal, and I was wow, this is great, and I've been invited. And then suddenly, I get jerked backwards, and there's. There were several people behind me trying to stop me from falling. And it was like, 
not unusual, wasn't the first time, but it was the first time they had seen anything like that. And mm. my reaction to everybody at any time, which is, I'm okay. I'm crumpling like the Wicked Witch. I'm melting, but I'm trying to regain a bit of just control. But I've got to reassure everybody it's okay. And when it happens in a restaurant, do you remember that going out to a restaurant? When it mm-hmm. happens in like restaurants, I've got to reassure the owner that they are not going to, he, they are not going to get sued. But that's why Liz has got to be around me the whole time now. But it's that whole thing. How do you go from being an independent person to having not having that independence? Mm. Yes, yeah, it's, it's something that comes up an awful lot just in the communities that I talk to on Facebook. And people talk about that is their biggest fear, the losing independence. I'll just, I'll just say this. This is something I'm not proud of, but I was, I've written about it because I have to write about it because it's all part of the mindset, what you have to admit to yourself. In the early days, um, she phoned from work to see how I was because I hadn't been going through the whole time. And she couldn't get through to me because I wasn't picking up the phone. This is before mobile phones. And I, I do pick up the phone and she said, she said, so how are you? And I still have shame about this. And I said, well, how do you think I am? I've got MS. And I think it was a bit more vitriolic than that. Mm. So the kind of place I was at for years was awful. And it's not thinking about somebody else. It's all about me. And that's what I've tried to move on now. So when somebody says, how are you? I'm all right. I'm okay. Don't worry. How are you doing? Because they might have problems that are worse than mine, or even worse than me, but they might have their own issues. And they're being kind, they're being polite. How are you? Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, it wouldn't harm, doesn't it? Of course, it's no harm just to say, so how are you doing? And they can say, well, it's not great. They need someone to talk to. Mm-hmm. It's being more thoughtful, being kinder to other people. And it helps me as an MSer to know it's, after all these years, it's not all about me. Yeah, there are all those people out there that we can we can help. I mean, like you, and I'd say you went, let me into your, onto your Facebook page and there's, there's this thing about how uh, your cancer. And there are pictures there, and I'm thinking, all jokes aside, I'm so lucky that that's not happened to me. Mm. And that kind of puts things into place when we, we, we talk, and it's like, it's not the thing that comes out of your mouth because mm-hmm. it happens. But you're, you talk about things that are in the present, in the now, which mm-hmm. is kind of what I talk about. Mm. Well, that's all. That's all we've got, isn't it? Is the now. And Most people don't appreciate what they've got because the mm-hmm. COVID has made it very, very difficult. But if with the limited with the, with the limitations put on the non-MSs, it's like I think they need as much, if not more, attention than we do. Mm. We get two special days a year, don't we? We get MS. World MS Week, which uh, MS Awareness Week, which yeah. is April the twentieth to the twenty fifth, 
and you have World MS Day on the twenty third on the thirtieth of May. That's our two days where people we hope will be more thoughtful towards us. Mm. People going through lockdown, they need continual attention and thoughtfulness because they don't know how to handle it like we do. No, it is so true. Sounds smug, doesn't it? <laughs> but that's not all MSs either. You know, no. not not everybody with MS has you know, reach the point in their MS journey where they are accustomed to the smaller life that I'm now inhabiting and that mm. you're potentially inhabiting. And I think for people that are listening, um, there will be a good few who could be like I used to be, which was, yes, I've got a diagnosis of MS, but I am still invincible. You still cannot stop me burning the candle at both ends, having a big career and driving a fast car. Um, and so for people that were at that point, they will have also, they'll have felt the lockdown impacts just the same as people without MS. That's true. That's true. It's so um, it's the whole MS population is very varied, isn't it? Oh, God, yes. I mean, all... They always say that no diagnosis is the same. Mm. And that's that's very true. But one thing that still never changes is just it's just how we harness what we've got. Mm. And you remember that as long as we remember the people we once were before diagnosis, we are still those people. Mm. You, you change as you get older. You know, it's still possible to take control of their life. You know, um, it's it's never giving up control. Stop harking back to what once was. It's mm. like getting over a bad marriage, isn't it? I can tell you yeah. nothing. If MS, if I was married to MS, I would have divorced it by now. <laughs> you know, there's no way you would wish this on your worst enemy. And it's like, no, I'll keep my distance from that. But you can divorce aspects of MS. You know, MS is our alimony. You've got to keep paying for it. But it doesn't mean you have to have MS around you the whole time, like an ex-partner. It's only what I can do. It's what I've learned through my own inadvertent self-counseling. And I would recommend everybody to, to blog and be honest about it. Um, there's a lot of places that will accept your writing. And if it's not good enough, they will tell you. Then you go back and you do it again. But you've got another area of concentration of doing something else instead of staying at home and stewing because MS has robbed you of what you used to do. Mm. It's a great, everyone's got to have a focus. And instead of complaining about it, write about it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that is, you know, being part of something that's bigger than you is that's something that's been shown to benefit your psyche and your well-being, isn't it? Yeah. I know after we've done this, I'm not going to do anything else for the rest of the day because as chirpy and as happy as I feel, I know how it's going to affect me. Too much concentration. What we call it now, and it sounds trite, but it's RMS. There's three of us in this relationship. Lizzie, myself, and Miz. That's the yeah. 
Miz, you know, that's how you look at it. Miz is the is the cuckoo in the nest, the unwanted mm. lodger that just will not go away. But Miz yeah. is there. Yeah. And so you have to deal with it. Don't fight it. Build a relationship with it. I, I think I, I I hope I'm making a difference. I like to think I am. I'm sure you are. I'm sure you are making a difference. And what's this MS Shine thing? The MS Shine is just, it's a way of drawing people as opposed to people bouncing off you and you'll never see them again. The MS Shine, as I, as, as I call it, is feeling happy not saying how bad the world is because the world is bad if you've got MS. Yes, that's about before. It's they ask you how you are, and you're not feeling great. Don't tell them about it. Say they'll have more sympathy for you and, and more empathy for you if you don't talk about it, because that's just the way it works in in in, in relationships. I think. If you project a warmth, that glow, that I call a shine, a shine that celebrities have. People want to be with celebrities because they're just nice to be around. Most of them. Most, well, exactly, most of them. But if you go around with this gloom, who, who, who's going to say, I want to see that person again? No. Mm. It's, it, for me, it makes perfect sense. And it's, I think that's that's really that's a really positive message, though, that you're giving out. What's all positivity? People want to be drawn yeah. to that positivity. If you know somebody, celebrity with a minus C or a big celebrity, just by association, you want to be with them and you can bask in their glory and say, hey, I know so-and-so. I think the idea that you've put out there about the MS shine and making sure that we give off some positivity... I think that's a really important message for those of us that live with MS. I have it as a hashtag, along with live life, not MS. Mm. And I'm always hoping that will become, they will become a thing that people will add to whatever they're, they're, they're writing. And it's, it's just a positive thing to say as opposed to hashtag, I'm feeling miserable today, because mm. MS. Mm. It, it's for me, hashtags are either frivolous or they mean something. And I've always mentioned from the moment that I've, uh, that I thought about it, I've got that, uh, my walls um, <laughs> are full of post-it tickets with no's on, oh no. There are messages of, 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 of things that I'm writing about and it's, the walls, my calendar, but I've got this one sticker I wrote maybe a year and a half ago, live life, not MS. And that's what I always look at. Mm. Not doesn't set me up for the day, but it just reminds me. And I'm pleased that I've done it. It's just sticking below the, my Arsenal 1971 FA Cup winners picture. <laughs> My wife caught me for my 60th birthday. So below that, and I always look at the, the, the picture, 
a yellow stick at night, a large yellow stick at night, is live life, not MS, exclamation mark. <laughs> I was that old fart 20 years ago when I was wallowing. And it might have been a light wallow, it might have been a deep wallow. For anybody that's out there wallowing, let this be a message to you. Stop it. Don't do it. Yeah. Stop it. It's like, don't do it. Don't go there. Martin, I think that is the perfect point to end today's chat part because I think that is such an important message to take away and I think that is such an inspirational way to finish this interview thank you so so much for doing that but we always have to cover off the same questions that anybody that comes onto the MS show gets asked and that is if you could be anywhere in the world where would you be and what would you be drinking so I don't know if you've had time to think about this one. Oh yes okay <laughs> yes I did um I spoke to, to Lizzie about it because she thought she was really clever. She says, I know what you're going to say. And I said, no, you don't. <laughs> what we, we both thought of was my favourite drink is Beaujolais. A nice okay. glass of Beaujolais. Yeah. The place where I, before the pandemic, was Lake Garda. We, didn't, we don't go abroad a lot, even this now. And that was one in Italy, Lake Garda. Mm. And that was just one of the most beautiful places I'd been to. Restful, fabulous in every sense of the word. Then came the, the coronavirus. And I would still have a glass of Beaujolais. Mm -hmm. I'd have it in my kitchen mm -hmm. and I'd be surrounded by family and friends. And the distinction between the two goes this way. Lake Garda will always be there, pandemic or not. Family and friends might not be. They might not be by the end of the year, some of these people. And that's why I will take being at home every single time. And uh, I'm just feeling a bit emotional over that because now I'm thinking about the pandemic and what it's done. I, I've, I've lost friends over, the, over this pandemic. Friends that we couldn't go to, to the funeral had nothing to do with coronavirus. And um, that's affected the way that we look at things as well. And on that happy note, <laughs> And on that happy note, Martin Baum, it has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to today's MS show. Please subscribe, rate and review this podcast. And if you'd like to get more involved with the MS show, why not join our Facebook community? Just search Facebook for the MS show. Come back soon for another dose MS information and inspiration. You've been listening to the MS Show podcast.